0: sit down and buckle up it's time for the pirate Monk podcast
1: welcome to another episode of the pirate monk podcast hey uh i'm i'm your pal nate larkin and i'm here with our good friend uh aaron porter and i've just shocked aaron uh with shocked. the news that's stunned. <laughs> <laughs> with the news that Allie and I have decided to uh to sell this fine, beautiful home we have in Franklin, Tennessee. So you've
0: decided it's happening. Yeah,
1: You're we are it. definitely we're definitely selling the house. Holy shit balls. Yeah, we don't know whether we initially thought we'd sell it this fall, but we just can't move that quickly. We've got too much stuff in this house that has to be disposed of. I mean, just just moving in a, from a place you've been in for as long as we've been here, that's a, a job in itself. So we're thinking about spring.
0: Man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm also thinking about the fact that I was living in your house while everything was being renovated so beautifully. But <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. keep keep yeah, talking, yeah. it's fine. I'll catch up with the listeners.
1: Everybody will catch yeah, up yeah. at the same time. <laughs> this is great, this is great <laughs> podcast fodder. Yeah, now mm-hmm. but 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 so but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Franklin Franklin is a pricey town. Yes. It's it a is. great time it's a great time to sell. It's a lousy time to buy if you want to buy in Franklin. In Franklin, right. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. So So you're moving um, to Iowa and man <laughs> it's gonna be great. Okay, so our daughter and and um, three of our grandchildren, the three who spend every other weekend with us, live an hour from here in Mount Pleasant, uh, in a town where real estate prices are considerably lower. Although still pleasant. Yes. Okay, so there, there are kind of like, there, there is a family reason for, let's say, moving to Mount Pleasant.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: financial reasons for maybe moving to Mount Pleasant. We're moving. We're selling the house really for safety reasons. Uh, Allie and I are aging. She's got a ten-year lead on me, uh, and our master suite is upstairs, accessed only by steep and narrow stairs. Um, we need to be in a home where, uh, you know, they're, they're, where everything is accessible. We need to prepare for old age because we're rapidly moving in that direction. I guess maybe it's hitting me that I got my Medicare card in the mail.
0: Uh, (laughs) Wait, is this a mid-life crisis thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely, suddenly I'm feeling like, holy crap, I need to start thinking in terms of retirement and aging. Uh, So we need to be in a home where the master suite's on the ground floor. It's easy to get in and out of. We don't have that here. So- There's safety reasons for selling this house. Uh, It has appreciated significantly. And if we move to Mount Pleasant, we could pay this house off, buy another one, and still not have a mortgage. That seems nice. But holy smokes, Aaron. Um, Huge. My my social network, the guys I walk with every week, um, who I rely on, they rely on me and I rely on them. Uh, you know, th- the supports for my sobriety, uh, the geographical supports, um, and the personal supports are here in Franklin, Tennessee. The only people I know in Mount Pleasant are, you know, my daughter and my grandkids. Yeah. Now, I did learn through COVID when I, when, uh, I couldn't physically walk with my friends. We still walked, uh, but and we did it on the phone. And there yeah. is phone coverage in Mount Pleasant, so I could keep that up. <laughs> I do know that could happen, right? There are a lot of <laughs> Amish and yet phone coverage yeah. in Mount Pleasant. <laughs> I haven't been able to attend the local meeting, my local meeting now in well over a year, but I'm still in meetings because we have online meetings, so we could make that happen. Uh, but still, you know, that freaking move. So it, so I. Uh, this is why I was looking forward to this conversation, Aaron. Because uh, I don't trust t- my sense of time anymore. Exactly, how long has it been since you moved from the central coast of California from your hometown for 40, here?
0: 40 years to here? Yeah, uh, that was. It'll be three years, and at the beginning of December.
1: Okay. Yeah, coming up on three years. That was a huge move for you. You had a very strong. Social network yes. in the central coast of California. Yeah. Um, and you made the move for personal reasons, some financial reasons, I imagine. Well, I mean, there, were
0: there weren't a lot of reasons. I mean, the biggest reason yeah. was financial. I was having to yeah, work yeah. three and four jobs just to pay rent. And yeah. I didn't own a house, and rent just kept yeah. getting higher and higher. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a hundred percent a move. Uh, the reason to move, not the reason to move here, but the reason to move, which right. my daughter and wife came out to me one day and presented a year after we had thought about it. So we had mm-hmm. sat there for another year. Was purely quality of life and thinking like, yes, we okay. have all these things, but there are certain things in life that are more important. Right. And like, how long can I live mm-hmm. working four yeah. jobs? I mean, right. It was yeah. just, it was crazy how much I was working. And, yeah. and yeah. that was not to save money, not to anything, to still be poor. Yeah, right. So yeah. that was why. The reason I moved here was because I knew more people and right. had more community than anywhere else in the country. Right. Obviously, there I had 40 years of friendships. There were still people I went to school, elementary school with, and high school with that were around. And even if I Mm -hmm. didn't hang out a bunch with them, I'd run into them all the time. And I had two churches I had pastored at. Well, three churches. And so there was that. And that was hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I also knew I was moving towards people that honestly I had gone through. Samson stuff with and new Adam stuff with here that yeah. I felt very comfortable knew me in a deep way. Yeah. And yeah. and I will say, uh, some of that was a little disappointing, even moving here, mm-hmm. realizing that when I had come once a year for like 10 days, I was enough of a novelty that everybody was ready to engage me for those 10 days. Yeah, Living right, here full-time right. didn't live up to that hype. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah. And that was a little surprising, because I was used mm-hmm. to coming for like 15 years, and every time I was here, <laughs> I, was, I was going the whole time socially. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, I still process some of what to make of that, but mm-hmm. I still know even with that, I have had people... And honestly, a lot of them have been more recent people mm-hmm. that we've that are the people that I've spent time with. And yeah it's been it's been good. We we didn't come to a place we were alone at all. Yeah.
1: I didn't
2: come yeah.
0: to a place we were alone at all.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh I just broadsided you with this news. What's your gut reaction to Nate and Allie moving? I <laughs> if if I Oh my if, gosh. I, I could, I could, I could still, I could make a lateral move, not get out of debt and stay, stay oh, in Franklin. Oh my gosh. What a way
0: to phrase it that you yeah. just, you closed all the doors of conversation phrasing it that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not stupid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, my, my first gut reaction, my first gut reaction is you're one of the biggest reasons that we, Drive thirty minutes over to Franklin, and we still yeah. will, anyways, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And I think, you know, you're a little closer in Mount Pleasant uh, than an hour from where I'm at, and yeah, yeah, it, uh, it'd be fine. Uh, and actually, I think that you guys, if you purposefully, I guess here's here's the fear, the fear that yeah. comes up in me is if you purposefully engage. People from there, yeah. you'll make the forty-five minute drive. Yeah, to have those connections, sure. And I think everybody thinks that when they make a move like this, and yeah. then a lot of people just don't do it. They think, okay, I will mm-hmm. do it. I will do it. I will do it, and then they don't do it, and they yep. slowly slip into oblivion.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I, as far as the family reasons. I think that's great. I think you guys, yeah. I mean, I know you guys love being around the grandkids. I know you love helping Kristen out. I know she mm-hmm. would love to have you guys around. And
1: yeah. Have that she support. found a house right down the street.
0: Oh, no. The first place that we looked at when we were going to move here was in Mount Pleasant. And mm-hmm. we actually tried to get a house. It was like a block away from your daughter. It's such a yeah. beautiful neighborhood. I love that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. so great uh, but yeah I mean a block away are you kidding me so great yeah. and she can be like okay need a little space I mean it' just be it'd be great for her you guys would enjoy it it could yeah. be shorter times because right now it's such a big thing it's like here's a chunk of time to be with the kids versus yeah hey we'll take them for the evening and that's right. exhausting that's three kids yeah so I mean I, I family wise I think it's amazing. But those social things, it's, it's really, it becomes a discipline. It becomes like a spiritual yeah. discipline yeah. versus just an option. Yeah. Because right now, and, and yeah, I did, I walked with people for years, five days a week. And it was great. Mm-hmm. I actually love talking to people on the phone and taking a long walk. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did that far more than getting to do that in person. And I think it's great. So I think you can have that. But it's the non-purposeful time. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that we neglect so much, especially those of us that are trying to do work and trying to address the fucked up parts of ourselves. Yeah. That we forget that the non-purposeful parts takes as much discipline as the purposeful parts. Right. I hear you. And if we don't do that then we're just living in like this cycle of focusing on pain and brokenness. And that's not yeah. the way we we're supposed to live.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So do you think you can pull that off? I don't know. I don't know. I need some clarity. It's time to call a clearing committee, maybe. I don't know. Or certainly we've got to be praying about it. Please, you know, be in prayer with us about it. We don't know what, what, what we're going to do. All we know is we're going to move from this house. And, uh, yeah, it's a big question. Hey, um, I had a great conversation. It's been several weeks now since I uh, recorded a conversation I had with Drew Boa, where at one point in the conversation, the issue of, you know, transience and rootlessness, especially in adolescence, uh, you know, played a role in his life. I think it, it has some bearing, on what we've just talked about, and there's a whole lot more to it. Listeners, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation uh, when we come back with Drew Boa on the Pirate Monk podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, and I'm here with my new good friend, uh, Drew Boa. Just had the privilege, not too long ago, of being on his podcast, the uh, Husband Material Podcast. I don't know if that thing's aired yet, has
2: it? It certainly will by the time this episode comes out.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, So, uh, uh, Drew, Drew Boa, Husband Material Podcast,
2: Young guy, how old of a guy are you? I'm 29 years old. Good golly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a young old pirate monk.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love this. It's it's so
2: heartwarming
1: for me to see a guy as young as you are who has at least found his way out of the thickets, out of the forest of addiction, found some wisdom, found some help and already is far enough from the process that you're serving other people helping to pull other people out of the muck uh, so uh, take some time drew and give us give
2: us your story my story begins with a little boy named drew who loved jesus <laughs> okay and very religiously held to my parents single teaching on sexuality that you're not supposed to have sex before marriage and I became very anti-sex uh, mm-hmm. and specifically for porn I thought it was from the devil and I hated it okay but because <laughs> it was so arousing to me mm-hmm. I couldn't stay away from it and I actually developed a sexual fetish that okay. I didn't understand um, that felt like it was the most powerful magnetic force Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i love jesus so much and also i could not stay away from this specific type of sexual attraction and fantasy that had a grip on my heart yeah yeah how old were you when that thing took hold i was in middle school okay i mean the fascination probably began when i was 10 but then when Mm -hmm. i discovered masturbation at 13 and all yeah. of those hormones started pumping okay. through my body. All of my earliest orgasms were to the same type of image and the same right. type of person. And mm-hmm. in my case, it was specifically for orthodontics and braces. Okay. And all right. Now yep. I look back on that and I can see how clearly it relates to those middle school years and the trauma that I experienced. While all the kids around me had some kind of – orthodontics. And and uh-huh. there was a story behind it. And right, when I began right. to see that story and the little boy who needed love, my self-hatred began to diminish. Mm-hmm. And I was able to have self-compassion and experience myself the way that Jesus saw me and the way that Jesus felt about me. Mm-hmm. And oh boy, yeah, that's, yeah. that's when I felt like my recovery went from the frustrating exhausting battle of fighting against my sexual desires to embracing my sexual desires in a healthy way and fighting for my sexuality
1: there you go somebody's been talking to jay stringer i think
2: (laughs) uh huh yeah he has been a big influence on me a big part of my approach to ministry comes from him and Mm -hmm. going through his training Mm -hmm
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah oh, that's so good. that's good. So uh, was your first exposure? Was this uh, internet porn? Yes, okay, yeah. and uh, t- talk talk to us a little bit about and I know that any of our listeners who are you know porn addiction survivors or, or still in the throes of porn addiction will resonate with this experience and probably could explain it or describe it as well as you and I. But just for the sake, just to preach to the choir, to describe what it was like to kind of live that bifurcated life, where mm-hmm. you've got these, you know, this shameful desire, this part of yourself that you hate. It seems mm-hmm. like the more you resist it, the more power you give to it. Yes. Right.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> you can't so- hate it enough to make it go away. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you are a you're a bright and shiny Jesus loving kid in a Christian mm-hmm. home, right?
2: Yeah, you know what that's like.
1: Yeah, but uh, describe what 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 that was like for us.
2: I was the spiritual kid who was asked mm-hmm. to give a presentation at the youth group or at the chapel. Uh-huh. Yeah, and and I felt so alive mm-hmm. while while playing that role. Um, yeah. And yet when I came home to a big empty house with a dad who was working 12 hour days, when mm-hmm. he was home, he wasn't really there. He was tired. He was watching TV. Yeah. And, yeah. and my mother who was providing for all of our physical needs and yet so, so tragically neglecting my emotions. Yep. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we we were a wealthy family and we had a lot of space in our house and I was all alone, locked in my room, and I escaped into another world. Right. Sure, sure, sure. And the sure. screen became my safe place. Yeah. Became my my source of connection. And, and I remember I remember so pleadingly pleading with with my parents, hey, can we play a board game? Can we do something? Uh-huh. Can we go? for a walk. Can we play yeah. catch? Can we, can we engage? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, eventually yeah. learning that it was a lost cause. I mean, yeah, um, it was just me and Jesus and whatever I could find on the internet.
1: Right. Sure. 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 So you had that need for connection. Now you're a likable guy. I'm sure you had friends, but uh, what was the depth of you know the friendships that you had at school and at home, or at school and at church?
2: Here's another part of my story. I grew up moving around, all oh. over, all over the continent. I basically mm-hmm. did a North American tour. We lived in Atlanta, Georgia, Puerto Rico, Mexico City, Dallas, Texas. Moved to Toronto in Canada, my favorite wow. place. Wow! And then we moved back to Texas, my least mm-hmm. favorite place. And that was the most traumatic event of my childhood when we moved back to Texas. And um, and so I was able to make friends in a way, but I never really felt at home. And I was always uh, uprooted whenever I began sure. to to go deep with people. And so the friendships were not constant. They were sporadic. Right. And, mm-hmm. and especially in... Especially in that time of my life when I was 13 and 14 years old, um, right. I was all alone. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. And the one thing that came with me during all those moves <laughs> was my little safe place, my sure. little world that I could go to where yeah. I got to choose what happens. And right. I'm the one in control. Yeah. And... I can be anybody I want to be. I can be with anybody mm-hmm, I want to be with. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that is a, a huge way that, that my brain was wired and that a lot of our younger generation is wired to connect through a screen yep. and and through media. And mm-hmm. there's no more intense or exciting form of that than internet pornography. Sure, sure. So sure. I guess what I want to do... Is w- while, while I don't want to advocate for um, indulging the urges,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I want to champion the deeper desires and the longings and the aches that are behind those urges. Yeah. So, yeah. with whatever type of porn you might find attractive or arousing or, or whatever has been your particular version yeah. of it. Underneath that is a good and holy beauty and strength that comes from God. And if we can tap into that, then we can bless it, and we can express it in healthy ways, and we can actually get what it was that we were created for this whole time.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: What would you say so, that is uh, for you, Nate? What what was like your thing that, that the legitimate desire—
1: Underneath oh, your yeah.
2: urges, yeah.
1: For me, it was a desire for uh, for connection, for uh, yeah, it was all about attachment, mm. uh, risk free attachment for soothing. And uh, you know, there, Patrick Carnes says that that sex addicts, and again, I'm not not in love with the term, but uh, those of us who are from, who are have experience with, uh, sexual addiction, compulsive sexual behavior. One common characteristic is a deep belief that nobody is going to meet our needs. We Mm. have to meet them ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, rather than ask somebody Mm
2: -hmm. to
1: care for me, to touch me, to Mm -hmm. hug me, to be warm, uh, rather than take the risk of being ignored or rejected, mm-hmm. it felt a hell of a lot safer yeah. to get some in, some uh, artificial, some virtual connection through pornography, or to hire somebody to do that. Yeah, because uh, porn did take <laughs> me across the flesh line. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know,
1: yeah, into exploiting people, uh, although I didn't see it as exploitation. Yeah, right.
2: And if you purchase so, it, then you have to get it. Then it's oh, another sure. safeguard. I yeah. never
1: had in, never had one of those uh, women turn me down, right? Yeah. And I got to feel falsely uh, magnanimous. I was able to uh, preserve my my personal uh, self concept as a nice guy. Yeah. A considerate person, you know. Uh, I wasn't the nightmare, John. I was the nice guy. Um, oh man! So you were a nice guy, and eventually, you, you you met a girl, and you know, talk talk us through dating and marriage. Were you were you still engaged in the behavior when you were dating and when you got married?
2: Right around the time that I started dating Rebecca, I was leading a ministry at my college campus at Wheaton College with about mm-hmm. 200 people in it, all mm-hmm. focused on sexual brokenness and facilitating support groups and oh nice. I was the person people were pointing to on campus saying, here is proof that freedom is possible, that healing mm-hmm. is available because Drew has experienced victory and it was right around that time that I had graduated college. And that post-college transition hit me really hard, and I was struggling more than ever. And I, I was asking God, um, what happened? I thought porn was in the past. I thought that I was really free and that you'd really healed me. And now I'm wondering if it was all just an illusion. Right. If I've been fooling myself because I had had over a year of freedom from porn and masturbation. Uh-huh. And that seemed like a great milestone, and it was. But in the end, those fantasies and attractions were still lurking in the shadows.
1: Sure, sure.
2: And when I lost my support system, and when my self-care and spiritual life slowed to a trickle, I went right back to it, and I felt like I was back at the beginning. And that was around the time that I started dating Rebecca. Okay, okay. So she didn't really know the depth of my struggles. She knew that I was involved in this ministry, And right around the time that we got engaged, we got into premarital counseling, and they gave us a series of questions to answer with each other. One of the questions Mm -hmm. was, what do you appreciate about the other person? That was lovely. It was great to celebrate each other. Mm -hmm. And then the second question was, and what do you see in yourself that needs work? Yeah. That needs chiseling. Mm -hmm. What do you see in yourself that the other person should know about before committing to you for the rest of their lives? Ooh. And I remember sitting on Rebecca's couch in her apartment with my stomach so tight staring at the carpet because I couldn't look her in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can be a slow talker and it took me a few minutes to (laughs) get the words out to say I'm not as free from porn as you might think. And there are Uh certain sexual fantasies and desires I have that I haven't told you about. Yeah. And when I locked eyes with her, I was met with softness and empathy and tenderness and love. Mm. She actually had every right to be confused or anxious or angry, and that would have been totally valid. Instead, she embodied the love of Jesus and motivated me Mm-hmm. More than I've ever felt in my life through mm-hmm. tenderness, not through toughness, but through tenderness. Yeah. To do whatever it takes so that when I take those wedding vows to her, I can be confident that I will keep them mm-hmm. and that I can actually outgrow pornography for good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's what sent me on a on a big long journey that took me back to my childhood. And I began discovering some of the things that I'm telling you about now. I
1: like your terminology there,
2: talking about outgrowing porn. You really do Mm -hmm. see
1: porn, uh, I've heard you say uh, that you can see porn as a pacifier. Yeah. That the behavior is, right, can be infantile. We we really are caring for for a younger part of ourselves in uh, a maladaptive way.
2: Yeah. So think about it through my specific case study of the fetish for braces and orthodontics. I'm 29 right. years old, but there's another part of me that still feels 12 years old. Right. Still sure. feels 13 years old. Right. Um, for you, there might be a, a part of you that still feels six years old. And it's sure. not the mature adult version of myself that struggles with these things. It's the younger version. Mm-hmm. It's it's the six-year-old who was yelled at. It's yeah. the the 12-year-old who is excluded. It's even the 18-year-old who was rejected. And and we all carry these parts of us which got stuck. They got frozen in time. And that's what trauma does. It freezes us in time so that all these years later, part of me is still stuck back there. Mm -hmm. And and every trigger in the present, whether it's a, a pain trigger or a pleasure trigger, every trigger tells a story. And when we begin to do our deeper work of going back into our childhood, we, we begin to learn that story and then how to write a new chapter. And that's the really yeah, exciting yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And in a sense, uh, reparent ourselves. Do you agree? Yeah. Huh? Yes. Sure. Uh, what do you mean by think, that? Well, I mean, treating that younger part of me the same way. I mean, I was uh, as, that I. You know, I didn't have unrealistic expectations of my own children as they were growing. And I understood that, uh, you know, at certain t- stages of development, they were only capable of, you know, feeling and reacting in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't a mean or a hateful parent. I mm-hmm. loved my kids. Mm-hmm. And knowing, first of all, that my Heavenly Father has that same regard for me. Yeah. and looks at me that way the same way i look at my own kids mm-hmm. and for that mature part of me the prefrontal cortex you know the old <laughs> pfc up here right
2: yeah to uh doesn't fully develop until 25 years old
1: right 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 to uh you know look back at that younger part of me that still is stuck and still reacts emotionally whenever mm-hmm. it's triggered yeah 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 and to do so with you know kindness and understanding and empathy yeah
2: there's the aspect of giving myself what it was that i needed mhm i like to call my inner child little drew so giving okay. little drew the acceptance and the affirmation yeah that he needed but didn't get and also inviting jesus yeah into it yeah and allowing jesus yeah to touch those parts of my heart Mm -hmm. that is so sacred yeah and that's what i do that's that's what i really care about and that's that's what i believe the gospel offers us is is the good news of of someone a a father who knows everything about us and loves us and and as we engage in healing and recovery that's not based on Trying harder, but trying softer with tenderness mm-hmm. and compassion. And we oh, can, that's a
1: great phrase right there. Like Not that. trying harder, but trying softer. I like
2: that. Okay, I didn't make that up. That's from a, a book called "Try Softer" by Andy Kolber, and and she's pretty okay. phenomenal too. Um, okay, but yeah, it's good, isn't it? That that's the point is that when we see how Jesus Christ relates to sexually broken people throughout the Gospels, it's always mm-hmm. by moving toward us with kindness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um what's life like for you today? What is mission? What is mm-hmm. passion? And uh, you know, talk to us. Talk to us about today.
2: Yeah, my mission is to help Christian men achieve lasting freedom from pornography by outgrowing mm-hmm. it. Okay. By becoming sexually, spiritually, emotionally healthy men of God.
1: Okay. Awesome.
2: That's my heartbeat.
1: Okay. And so you've got the podcast. How long has that been going?
2: That's been going for a year and a half. It's been awesome. Okay. All right. It's my favorite part of the job, actually. Okay. Uh,
1: and, and what else are you doing?
2: I am also facilitating a private community, which is free. It's the Husband Material Community, which... Okay used to be a Facebook group, but now we've migrated to a new, more private platform. And that is a good, safe place where men are sharing their stories. Actually, right now in the month of July, we're doing something called the Summer Story Challenge, where men are uh, posting their stories. Each one posts a new story each day. Um, Oh, wow. So we are all learning to relate to each other with that curiosity and compassion and, and also mm-hmm. practicing the courage to be vulnerable with each other. So that's the, the community. And then I also have a program called Husband Material Academy, which is an online course and coaching program where we go deep and do some experiential trauma work. Really? Wow. And yeah. you do that virtually? It's all online. It's all on Zoom. And that is another part of my story. See, remember how I said that the screen was my safe place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, it still is in a way. Um, (laughs) And, and what the enemy has used for evil, all of this technology is now being used for good.
1: Oh, you know, I, I come back to that thought quite often to me. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, I I love that we're just kind of pushing it back in the enemy's face here. This thing, right? Yeah. This thing that did so much damage Mm -hmm. has now become a redemptive tool.
2: Yeah. 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 I get so fired up just hearing you say that. I call it reversing the curse. (laughs) We are reversing the curse. Yeah. And one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible uh, is from Zephaniah chapter 3, where... God makes a promise. And in the New Living Translation, it it translates it a special way. I don't know if all the other translations do this, but the New Living Translation, it says, I will bring them praise and honor in every place where they were put to shame.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: In some places it'll say, in some translations, it'll say, I will bring them praise and renown in all the earth. But he's saying, I will bring them praise and honor in every place where they were put to shame, mm. every place where we were neglected, abused, every place where we were left on our own, every place where we didn't have people to talk to, where we didn't know where to go, every place where we've made mistakes that have hurt ourselves and others. He wants to go to those places and and not just erase the problem, but bring us praise and honor? Mm wow oh wow that that is what God is doing even with our technology this place of shame and brokenness he's saying I'm gonna take that yeah and transform yeah. it
1: yeah well for those of our listeners who want to uh, join the community that you helped mm-hmm. lead uh, what's the best way for them to connect
2: yeah go to husbandmaterial.com mm-hmm and you will find a link to join the community app and the podcast pay the, episodes. Pay the $5,000 entry fee? <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. It's, <laughs> it's free of charge. Okay, um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I look up to you, Nate. I look up to those who've gone before, and we're all in this together.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that you guys are doing the story work. Um uh, more and more, I'm coming to see that that's really where so much of the healing takes place. Mm-hmm. We get to know our story. We get to share our story. I'm excited that at the upcoming fall retreat for Samson Society, we're actually going to have a story workshop. Oh, great. And, I, I, and I love that that's the focus of so much of what you're doing, too. All right. So once again, this is Drew Boa, his podcast. If you are don't subscribe to it yet, please do. The Husband Material Podcast. And go to husbandmaterial.com and uh, step in there. Find some brothers, lend your voice, give some strength, get some strength. It's all about connection and relationship. Thanks for joining us, Drew. This has been wonderful. Thanks, Nate. Listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast.
0: We are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. Well, another Jay Stringer friend giving us some arousal (laughs) template information.
1: (laughs) Good stuff. Good solid stuff. Yeah. Uh, Did you...
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's very interesting that so much of the idea of moving around and having that isolation and moving towards mm-hmm. those things, what strikes me is that I lived in the same house until I moved away at 17 years old, and then after just a handful of years, moved back to the same town and even lived in that house again with my family. Mm-hmm. So, I, was, I didn't have the transient thing, mm-hmm. and yet what I think think of is that, especially in elementary school, actually, geez, elementary school, junior high, high school, I felt very much like people didn't understand me, and I felt very alone. Even though I had Uh friends that I was hanging out Mm -hmm. with, they'd come over, spend the night, go to their house. Looking back, there was really no problem, but I felt very alone. Yeah. And I didn't have access to porn. I'm too old for that. So I had, yeah, you know, right. my I had my mom. The
1: internet had not
0: yet been invented. <laughs> no, I had my I stole every, you know, Victoria's Secrets of my mom's. So I had my yeah, yeah. JC Penny's catalog, so it come with the Christmas <laughs> thing, so I could see <laughs> some bras. <laughs> um, I know people looked down on me like that wasn't real porn. Oh, like you're looking down on me because I didn't get real boobs. That was a en- that was the same thing. And I I had some some catalogs that would have, like, magazines with posters that were little thumbnails of, like, Samantha Fox. And I Mm -hmm. would sit there with a magnifying glass, like, I want to see this. Or Vanna White, who's standing there in jeans, like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when I look back, like, that's funny only because it's so much more graphic now. But to me, it was this desperate desire to connect because I felt so alone. Yeah. Like nobody knew me. Yeah, And so I felt those same things without moving anywhere. But yeah. I also went to a small school that there were, you know, 20 to 30 people, usually closer to 20, from kindergarten through eighth grade. And then I went to a bigger school. In your school, class, school, yeah. 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 In my class. Yeah. So it was this small group of people And I just felt like I was alone so much. And I would just walk with my dog. I'd walk with my dog in the Salinas River and listen to Depeche Mode and Morrissey, which isn't helpful (laughs) when you're a young man. Really, you know, I should have been listening to Maranatha praise music, I'm sure. But no, it was Depeche Mode and Morrissey. Yeah, But I I just, it it resonates with that feeling of like reaching out and, and what false intimacy of any sort means to us is like, give me something to connect with. Yeah. And and I, I just think it's very interesting how different our experiences were, but that there are so many similarities with what we connect
1: yeah. to and grab onto. Wow. So good. Hey, speaking of connection, you know, the guys in the Samson Society, all of us, when we tell our stories – There's always that element of being alone, and and then it's so refreshing to find brothers, and now to have safe connection, and as awkward as we are in learning how to do it, I mean, we we finally this crazy thing, this isolating behavior, becomes the common thread that by (laughs) starts you know that we build relationships on. Those of us who are married, very often, it's our wives who now really feel alone. Uh, they've probably felt alone during our years of active addiction. Uh, you know, We're connecting better during recovery. Very often, uh, our wives don't have anybody to talk to about their experience. Now, unless they have discovered the Sarah Society. This is one of the most exciting developments to me. In Samson is that a few years ago, the wives of some of the guys in virtual meetings got together. We've had them on the show. They started the Sarah Society. When we had them on the show, the only way to connect with them was to send an email. Now, I'm thrilled to say the Sarah Society website is up and running, Society.org. They are doing newcomer meetings in the uh, just in the same way we do at Samson. Uh, they had their inaugural newcomer meeting. Right after they launched the website, had nine women newcomers showing up. They now are they already have so that runs them up. I think close to 160 women running six wow. meetings a week. Wow! Uh, and those women are finding uh, help and connection, and being able to process the experience. What's it like to be married to a guy like us? Uh, and these are <laughs> women who, yeah, right, right, yeah, uh, but sir. it's not. But it's not a husband-hating society. It's... uh, But we're going to talk about betrayal trauma. And they're planning their big retreat uh, for... uh, Well, look on the Samson website for uh, details on next spring's retreat for the Sarah Society. And speaking of retreats, the uh, fall retreat for the Samson Society, the big national retreat, filling up quickly... uh, and that's in Eva, Tennessee, uh, November five through seven. Jim Crest, the lead speaker, and then some great workshops. Uh, and once again, go to samsonsociety.org. All the single rooms are gone. I think all the uh, you know two person rooms are gone. You're gonna you got your choice now of either sleeping in uh, a, a camp style bunkhouse. Or a, a, a lodge bunkhouse, but you're going to at least be, you know, in a room with a bunch of other guys. But that's all we got going now. That's all that's left. Still, it's worth coming. If you haven't signed up and it's possible for you to come, uh, uh, don't waste another day. Go to SamsonSociety.org and sign up for the fall retreat. It's going to be fun. Man. Yeah.
0: Every, yeah. every year. I'm, I'm literally thinking three years ago. That was the weekend I was barring people's phones to close on this house <laughs> while trying to be present.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm yeah, going to say yeah. I was maybe only 30 to 60% present for a lot of that. Uh, that was crazy. So, yeah, Eva Tennessee has a, a large space in my heart for a lot of crazy life situations in the last few yeah. years.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a great weekend. It's going to be so uh, fun. It, and one other thing, by the way, guys, if you – uh, are listening to the podcast and you have not attended a virtual meeting, the Samson meeting, uh, go ahead and give it a try. If you already are a virtual guy and you haven't yet trained to be a meeting host, uh, the way the society is growing, we need more and more guys who'll step up and serve as meeting hosts. Doesn't mean that you take sole responsibility for a meeting, but you can step in to help. Uh, We're also going to need more guys to host newcomer meetings because we got more and more people coming through the doors, and we just uh, want to have as much availability as possible. So uh, think about that, will you? Pray about that. Uh, Well, that's about all I've got on my plate. Anything you want to say before we close, Aaron? Never played leapfrog with a unicorn.
0: sorry when, right. pre, when pressed for something to say that's all i've got ever for the last
1: 40 years <laughs> sage advice uh, all right well until next week then i guess we're gonna wrap i'm nate and i'm aaron he's aaron yes and uh we still are your pals on the pirate monk podcast